Luke chapter 22, verses 1 down to verse number 6, and Mark 14, verses 43 and 46. When you get there, you can say amen. In Luke chapter 22, verse 1, it reads, Now the feast of unleavened bread drew near, which is called Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then Satan entered Judas, surname Iscariot, who was, a, who was numbered among the twelve. He was numbered among the twelve. He was numbered among the twelve. So he went his way and he conferred with the chief priests and captains how he might betray him to them. And they were glad and agreed to give him money. So he promised and sought opportunity to betray him to them in the absence of the multitude. Jump on over to Mark chapter number 14. If you can turn my mic down just a little bit. Mark chapter 14, verses 43 to 46. And immediately while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude, with sword and clubs, it came from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now this betrayer had given them a signal saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one. Seize him and lead him away safely. As soon as he had come, immediately he went up to him and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi. And he kissed him. And they laid their hands on him and they took him. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made for all of us. We thank you, Jesus, that you endured so much, so much pain. You gave so much of yourself, all of yourself. You sacrificed yourself so that we could have life. And on the road to that sacrifice, Lord, there were so many challenges and obstacles. And yet, Lord Jesus, you remained faithful to the end. And we are so grateful. God, will you illuminate our minds this morning and help us to appreciate, even in a more profound way, the depths and height of your love and your sacrifice, your tenacity your vigor and your pursuit of us, Lord, is always and is even to this day unwavering. And we are full of gratitude this morning. It's full of gratitude and love. Teach us, Holy Spirit, as we sit here today in your presence, loving you, wanting you, and waiting for you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated in his presence. We're beginning a brand new series, which is our Easter series. And the series is entitled Scandal. And you may have the question, why do we call the series Scandal? Well, if you look at the definition of scandal, 
the definition of scandal is an action or event regarded as morally or legally wrong and causing general public outrage. It is something done in secret that if the general public knew about it, it would cause public anger and perhaps commotion. It's a compilation of morally wrong decisions behind the scenes to design and it's designed to fulfill a personal agenda, usually hidden out of plain sight. Such was the case of the events that led up to Jesus' death. There was a huge scandal behind the scenes. This scandal was designed to discredit and kill Jesus. We read about these things all the time, and we don't even, I think, realize the veracity of what Jesus had to overcome and all of the various plots and things that was going on behind the scenes. And so, and so we understand as we study the life of Jesus, and we're going to be looking at some of these uh, scandals and what they were doing behind the scenes for the totality of this message, we will discover that there were outright lies and misrepresentations about Jesus. There were trumped up charges and there was a lot of false testimony. There was lies and deception about his body after he had died. And there was a plot. This is what we'll talk about today. There was a plot to betray and kill him. Jesus who did good and his only aim was to come and sacrifice his life to die for mankind and for all of those who would believe him. And yet through all of that, there were people behind the scenes working to destroy his ministry and his life. And so we understand that Jesus was betrayed. We're going to be talking today about a little bit about Judas and how he betrayed Jesus. I know that many of us have heard some of the uh, things surrounding the life of Judas. And so we're going we're gonna, to uh, investigate some of those things today. Um, how many of you have ever been seriously betrayed in life? Can I see, you, see your hands? You've been betrayed. <laughs> the reality is that you, you can't live very long on this earth without being hurt or betrayed by somebody. A father or mother who doesn't show up or let you down, or a friend who revealed some confidential information that was meant to be private, they share it, they betray your trust, or if someone was cheating on you, if you're in a marital situation or relationship and you discover that somebody betrayed your trust, they cheated on you. It is Betrayal can be one of the most darkest things that Anyone can experience. That's one thing that to be mistreated by your enemies. But how many know it's a whole nother thing to be betrayed by a friend or someone that you care about? But the reality of it is, is we all live there and there are a lot of people that have been stymied in life. And I like and I I put it this way, they're kind of on they're kind of on lockdown because they've allowed the past hurt and the past betrayal to dictate the terms of the rest of their lives to the degree 
that that betrayal has stopped them. And, and how many know that if, if, you, if any of us want to seriously be used by God, how many know that you cannot allow what people do to you stop you? Not, not only that, but you can't allow, you cannot allow yourself to be transformed like them, which some people do. You ever had somebody get upset, to get mad, to get angry about something, and they get so angry, they become the very thing they hate. Anybody know what I'm talking about? They become that, that thing that, that hurt them, that betrayal, they become that, and they display that same attitude, never realizing that until we get over that hump, we will stay stagnant, not be what God wants us to be. I've said this before, so some of you bear with me if you heard the testimony, but I, I, one of the most profound times when I was really hurt in my life when there was a group of friends that had went behind my back and they had uh, said some things about me. And um, before that, they had met with me and they had a conversation and, you know, we was talking about ministry and doing ministry together. And, uh, you know, uh, these are folks that uh, I spent a great deal of my time with. I mean, we not only spent a great deal of time at church, we spent a great deal of time away from church. I mean, we ate together, we went to events together, sometimes three, four times a week we were talking, we were on the phone, we were with each other, and I bared my soul. And then they all kind of came together and, and they began to uh, accuse me of some things. And, uh, and, and the accusations, uh, many of them at the root were false. And I remember sitting there being shocked. I said to myself, I mean, I was just shocked because I said, these are people that I loved. And, and, and I remember driving home that day uh, to my wife, and, um, and I have never felt pain like that in my entire life. The pain of betrayal. It was the worst pain that I ever felt. Now, I've been a Christian for some years, but I had never endured that. I've had people that I know died, but this hurt even more than that. And I, I went home and I shared it with my wife, and, uh, and we had to go and minister to these folks on that Sunday. And I told my wife, I said, and, and she first told me she can't go, and, you know, and obviously, whatever, you know, if you're married, whatever one spouse feels, you know, the other spouse feels it. And and so we went through this thing where we just, uh, I ended up talking to my pastor who ended up telling me what happened and because they went and complained to my pastor and all of that stuff was, uh, it was just not accurate. I don't know how else to say it other than it just wasn't accurate. And I had a choice to make because I, I had to say, well, am I going to step into this because I had to minister on, to them on that Sunday. And I said to myself, do, do I go or do I not go? Do, do, what do I do? And I, I remember and, and my pastor said, you're going to go. He says, you're going to go and uh, suck it up, buttercup. He didn't use those words, but that's, that's, I threw that in there. And so I, I talked to him, a couple of friends cried on the phone. I mean, they had a grown man crying. I mean, I was hurt. Betrayed. How could they do this to me? These are people that I love. People I know. Why, how could they do this to me? I, every, after everything I've been trying to do. And I, and I decided to go there and I go to that place. And that I had to meet them, and I, and I got there, something amazing happened, something snapped in my spirit. Suddenly, all of the cloud and the weight of all of that hurt and that betrayal was lifted off of me when I opened the door, and I went in, and I hugged every one of them, and I said to them that I loved them. 
And I meant it when I said it. And let me tell you something, church. I had never been more free in my entire life. And that was the time. Listen to me. Are you listening? Say amen. The time that I grew the most in my faith. And I spent many years in study. I've been, I've seen many things. I've experienced many things over 26 years of ministry. I've seen it all. Trust me. But the, the one time that I grew the most in my faith was in that my time of my great disappointment when I was betrayed by somebody that I cared about and I thought cared deeply about me. Because I stepped into it, I can stand here today and be free. And, and, and so here's what I'm trying to say to you. That we have a Savior, Jesus, who was betrayed. And we're going to learn how to handle betrayal, but I want you to understand something. Had Jesus did ministry, and he was in his ministries were his ministry was dictated by uh, what other people did to him, how many of you know that we wouldn't be here today? Because he had ample opportunity. Jesus had it all thrown at him. I mean, boy, we'll look at it today. And it's like, wow. And, and Jesus absorbed all of that. And because, hear me, church, and because he knew how to deal with betrayal and hurt, God used him. We have a cliche in Christian circles, and we say it all the time. We say, God used me. Has anybody ever said that? Has anybody ever prayed that? I mean, honestly, have anybody ever said, God, use me? Ron Canoli used to have a song, Lord, if you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Be careful what you ask for. Because when you really want to be used by God, God will put you through the ringer and he will allow you to be put in the situations where your emotions are going to be challenged. And if you're one of those who get quick to quit, get mad, get upset, turn your back, walk away, you will never be what God wants you to be. Never. I promise you. As great a man of God as Moses was, do you realize at all the Pardon the expression. All the hell that he went through with those people. After all those years, Moses was not allowed to go. To, he couldn't put his feet on the promised land. God said, Moses, you can look, but you can't tell. Why? Simply because the people got on Moses' nerve and Moses hit a rock instead of speaking to it. God says, oh, you can't go. <laughs> Seriously? My God, really? All this, because to whom much is given, much is required. One of the things I love about Jesus, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter number 4, verses 14 and 15. I love this verse, and I want you to hear it. And I want you to hear it as if you're laying eyes on it for the very first time. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, talking about our Savior Jesus, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. Listen to this. Here's the, here's the key verse in this passage. For we do not have a high priest, watch this church, who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, <laughs> but was in all points tempted as we are, but here's the key, Yet 
without sin. Understand something, church. Jesus had to overcome the, the attacks and the hardships of his day. He had to overcome. Jesus knew he understood pain. He understood suffering. Jesus understood what it was like to be lied on. Jesus understood what it was like to be falsely accused. Jesus understood what it was like to be rejected. He, he knew what it was like to be laughed at. He knew what it was like to be hated. And yes, he knew what it was like to be betrayed. So when you and I pray to our Father, we pray to Jesus Christ, we pray to a high priest that, that decided on a, for, our, for our benefit that he will clothe himself in human flesh and expose himself to the same types of emotions that you and I experience every day. How many know that's love personified right there? He didn't have to do it, right? I mean, he's, he didn't have to, but he said, I'm going to put myself in this situation so, so, that, so that when you pray to me, when you understand, when you come to me, you know, when you say, Lord, do you know how I feel? How many know Jesus says, yes, I, I, I get it. I, I know how you feel. I know it hurts. How many know Jesus is aware of your hurt? Jesus is aware of your betrayal. Jesus knew that you were going to be betrayed and hurt before it happened. But do you think he wanted you to change? Do you think he was going to change what he commanded us to do? No. He still expects you to walk in love. Says Jesus was without sin. Obviously, we know he was a perfect lamb of God. But also, in his nature, he was sinless. We understand that because that's how our salvation comes to bear. But what we also understand is that when it says that Jesus was without sin, Jesus did not allow himself uh, uh, to fall into the trap. How many know that sometimes when people really want to mess with you, one of the things that they're trying to do is to get you to fall into the trap that they themselves are trapped into. Y'all know what I'm saying? They want to see you. you ever, I'll, I'll say this to people all the time, that, that a person can't argue by themselves. You know, you know what I mean when I say that? They, they, I mean, somebody want to go off the chain? I mean, I'm perfect at doing that. I, I, I watch people, man, just go off, and I just sit there and watch them because I realize, you, you, you know, at some point, you're going to have to come down from there. Jesus did not allow. He did not say, you know what? They betrayed me. They hurt me. They lied on me. I'm going to, ooh, ooh, just, ooh, just wait. I mean, some of us are like that nowadays, aren't we? Even some of us who are saved are like that. Man, and some of us even brag about it. I'm saved, but you better watch it. Don't let me lose it. How many know that when you're walking with Jesus, he will give you the power not to lose it. He don't want you ever to lose it. Yes, it will hurt. Yes, it will be painful. But do you know that God will give We always say, God, I want more grace. What do you want grace for? God doesn't just give you grace to get cars, cars and houses and, and money. God gives you grace to deal with pain. To deal with hardship. That's what Jesus, remember he was in that garden of Gethsemane right before uh, he was arrested and, and, and he had to be faced with this, this fake trial, I call it. That, that Jesus, the Bible says he, he prayed for strength, he prayed for grace. The Bible says that when he was praying, it was like a ball of blood coming down. He was praying to God because of the, the pain and the anguish of knowing that he had to bear the sins of the world. And God gave him the grace to endure it. How many know that no matter what you're going through, if you ask God, he'll give you the grace to get through it. Amen. Amen. Yes, he will. He'll give you the grace. 
Well, I, I know, Lord, and, and I, I know sometimes I, I've even said, I said, Lord, this hurts, and God, I'm mad. But God, you have to give me the grace to behave the way that you want me to behave. You have to give me the power to love my enemies anyway. And y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning, church? Now, so Jesus had to endure a plot. So he, he, here's, here's the story. Here's the scandal, if you will. The Bible says here and that we're reading that the chiefs and the scribes and the Pharisees, all these folks, they were mad at you. They wanted to take him out. They were mad at Jesus because he challenged their authority. He challenged their way of thinking. Jesus challenged every aspect, everything that he did. Jesus walked up on the scene, and in fact, Jesus sometimes, he would call them out by name. He would sing them out. He even called them, you, you are snakes and vipers. He said, you're like dead men's bones and all corruption. I mean, Jesus, I mean, he was on the Pharisees and they hated him. But here's the problem. Jesus had such a huge following. Large crowds of people following because Jesus was healing. He was doing great things. And, and, and they just sit back and they were, and all the while, while Jesus was blessing people and doing good, how many know that there were people in the background thinking, boy, I just want to get him. So here's what they do. They devise a scheme, a plot. <laughs> oh, gosh. I'm trying to contain myself here because it's. So they, they devise this scheme and, and, and they're thinking and they're thinking, how can we get him? How can we get him? And so, so obviously they're looking for some way to, to get at Jesus, some way to bring him down. No, they didn't want to just stop his ministry. How many know the plan was to kill him? but they don't understand that God had a plan too. They didn't realize the God factor. We'll talk about that here in a moment. So what they do is they find somebody in the inner circle. Everybody say inner circle. Find Judas. Judas was one of those that was, there's a lot of controversy about why Jesus betrayed. Judas betrayed Jesus, but we know that he betrayed Jesus for some 30 pieces of silver. We know he betrayed Jesus for money. We know that was one of the reasons. Some people think that Judas was just, Judas was like he just wanted to force Jesus' kingship, or some people think that Judas was just upset because he didn't like the direction that it was going. He had plans. He had in his mind what the, what the Messiah is supposed to be. This ain't it. So you know what? I'm going to just expose it. Whatever the case might be, we, knew, we know that Judas was in a bad place. And so, isn't it strange that somehow that Judah was able to link up with them? <laughs> link up with the Pharisees. Link up with somebody that can help. They had mutual interests, if you will. And so together, Judas, who was on the inner circle, in fact, there's no better way to get at Jesus, right, than to, than to, than to get to his inner circle. I mean, these are the 12. These are the disciples. These are the people that, that he poured himself into. I mean, he ministered to the masses, but it was the 12 where Jesus really exposed himself. He, he really just, I mean, he shared things with them that he shared with nobody else. I mean, he was close with the 12, and then there's one other group, Judas, who decides to go a wall. So they devised this plot, this scheme to try and arrest Jesus and take him. And it says here 
in verse number five in Luke chapter 22. And they were glad and they agreed to give him money. So he promised and sought an opportunity to betray him, to betray them in the absence of the multitude. All this was done behind the scenes. They all conferred together. Judas was the betrayer. Judas was the one that was discontent. And you know, the devil always try to find a Judas in whatever God is doing. Y'all understand what I mean by that? Satan is always looking for a Judas to try and uh, uh, overcome or try to stop the move of God. It just so happened, and, and, and usually the, the, the Judases, they're the ones that they, they, they appear like they're with you. They, they, they look right. They say all the right things. I mean, it, but all the while, they got a whole nother hidden agenda. And how many know the enemy will latch on to that? So Jesus, how many know that Jesus knew that Judas would betray him? Jesus put them all on notice one night. Jesus was sitting, he was sitting with them and he said to them right before he was, during the time he was doing like, he introduced communion. Last Supper, he said in John 13, 21, he said, Jesus said, he says he was troubled in his spirit. He testified and he said, most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Now, can you imagine the other disciples, right? They're sitting at the table. Come on, come on, let's, let's just be there. Just be there for a moment. I mean, you love Jesus. You love him. I mean, as far as you know, man, <laughs> Jesus is everything to you. I mean, you've been walking with him, and all of a sudden, your master, Jesus, say to you, he says, one of y'all going, one of y'all going to let me down. And I don't know about you, but I would have been like, who oh, 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 me? No. no. Who you? I mean, can you imagine the confusion? Could you imagine what many of them were thinking? And then Jesus said in John chapter 13, he said, he said this. And this is John 13, 26 and 27. Jesus answered, it is he to whom I shall give a piece of bread when I have dipped it. And having dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now, after the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Then Jesus said to him, what you do, do it quickly. Now, how many know that Satan just don't enter people? How many realize that? Satan just doesn't enter people. Now, there's a scripture in the Bible that says, don't give place to the devil. The devil, I don't believe a a Christian can be demon-possessed, but I believe a Christian can be demon-influenced. And the way that Christians can be demon influenced is they give place to the devil. You know, sometimes we like to flirt here and there with sin, a little bit here, a little bit there. How many know that every time we do that, how many know that, 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 that we're giving the devil a little bit of space, a little bit of uh, space? So the Bible says don't give place to the devil. Obviously, Judas had given place. He was discontent. He had given place to the devil. And, and so Judas allowed the enemy to come right on in. The Bible says that, and this is, a, this is a strong language. The Bible says Satan entered Judas. Wow. And at that very moment, Satan was, was in control of his life. But then to make matters worse, I want you to hear this. So when they finally come to arrest Jesus, Judas now, the betrayer, 
the one who went and put out information and set Jesus up. They have made this little agreement in Mark chapter 14, verses 43 and 45. Look at this. This is what he said. Said immediately while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude, with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. These are all the higher ups. And now this, now verse 44, now his betrayer had given them a signal, Judas. He had given them a signal saying, whoever I kiss, he is the one, seize him, lead him away safely. And as soon as he had come, immediately he went up to him and said to him, Rabbi, Rabbi, Master, Master, he kissed him. In fact, in Luke chapter 42, verse 48, it says this. But Jesus, this is just Luke's account of the uh, situation. Luke says, it says it this way, verse 48. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? I mean, Judas, I mean, really? If I can put it in today's language, it's like, it's like Jesus looked at Judas and said, really, dude, you, you're going to betray me, your master. You're going to betray me with a kiss. How many know there's something aggravated about that? It's one thing to betray, but you're going to kiss me. You betray your master with a kiss. This is almost like a part of human, uh, Jesus' human, human side coming out of him because obviously I believe it hurt. I believe this was something that Jesus obviously was prepared for, but nevertheless it hurt. So you, you betray me this way. And then not only did Judas betray him, but the Bible says in Mark chapter 14, verse number 50, it says, watch this, that they all forsook him and fled. Now, talking about betrayal, everybody left. First, Judas was the worst because he went behind Jesus' back. They set Jesus up to arrest him. And then all of the disciples, the ones, y'all remember the ones, y'all remember what Peter said? Lord, I will never deny you. Y'all remember when Peter said that? Lord, I will never deny you. Whatever happened, Jesus, Jesus says, Peter, before the cock crows, Tonight, you will deny me three times. And Peter was adamant. Peter said, ain't no way I'm going to betray you. Everybody else is going to do it, but I'm not going to do it. And guess what Peter did, folks? Peter betrayed him. But you know, not only that, it says that all of them forsook him and ran. All of them. You know, when, when the soldier, when they came to arrest him, all of, all of them forsook Jesus. So, so not only Jesus now having to deal with the fact that Judas betrayed him, set at table, ate bread with him. Jesus opened up his life. Judas betrayed him, but, but also in a moment where he needed it most, in his most trying moment. How many know what I'm talking about? You, you know, you never want to be betrayed when you need someone. When you really need somebody the most, I mean, and, and when it's really hard. That's when, how many know that's when we find out who your real friends are? Y'all loving, you know what I'm talking about? You find out who your real, who, who really cares about you, who really loves you, is when you are really, 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 really down and out. 
that those people, because before, remember, Jesus, man, Jesus was doing miracles. I mean, he was healing, feeding 5,000 people. I mean, man, this ministry was booming. Ministry going great. Church is growing. Stuff is happening. All of a sudden, the preacher get locked up. The preacher get arrested. And guess what happened? Everybody else, they all ran, left the preacher hanging. I'm just using an analogy. I want you to get the picture. They all left. The point is, they all left Jesus. Jesus, at that moment, he could have said, you know what? These are some, some ungrateful people. I mean, after all I've done for them, I came down from heaven. I called myself in flesh to come. And they leave me. They leave me at a moment when I need them the most. I mean, Jesus said, he said, if I wanted to, I can call down a legion of angels and they would come down and just wipe this. I mean, Jesus could have, but one word, he could have, he could have shut it all down. Some of you are thinking to yourself, man, if that was me, they did that to me. Come on, how well, how, how you would have reacted? Come on, in your flesh. <laughs> I know some. I'm looking at some of you right now and be like, yeah, 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 yeah. Some of you be ready to fight. <laughs> you go, but seriously, you know. And and and, and Jesus could have been handicapped. And how many know if Jesus would allow that to stop him, church? How many know that he couldn't fulfill the purpose for which God sent him to the earth? God gave him a purpose. I want you to understand, God gave you a purpose too. You may think this is the Jesus thing. No, this is the, your thing too. Because you are called too. And you will face opposition. You will face pain. You will face a time when people will hurt you. And you got to be able to walk through it and believe God in the process. So what was Jesus' response? Very quickly, what was Jesus' response? I love this verse here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 and 23. It kind of it highlights this point. It says, for to, for to you, this, I'm sorry, for to this you were called. This is Peter talking. Because Christ also suffered for us. Watch this, church. Christ suffered for us. Watch this. Leaving us an example. All right? Think about it. Everything Jesus did. Jesus was always teaching, right? He was everything he did. So Jesus taught the disciples, even at that moment, even, get this, even when they turned their backs on him, walked away from them, he was even teaching them at that moment how to deal with betrayal. At that moment, he was teaching them. He was giving them, look, I'm going to give you an example that you should follow in his steps. Watch this. Who committed no sin, Jesus, Jesus committed no sin, all right? In his nature, he was sinless, but not only that, he committed no sin. He stayed with God. Look at the name and say, stay with God. Stay with God. That's the key. You got to stay with God. Nor was deceit found in his mouth. See, they were lying and deceiving, but he wasn't going to let it happen to him. And how many know just because somebody lied on you, don't give you the authority to go back and lie on them? You ever hear people say, well, they did it to me. So... That don't give you authority because how many know that, that we're accountable to God? We're not, first and foremost, for we're accountable to people, we're accountable to God, and that supersedes every other relationship on the planet. Jesus, who did not revile, who when he when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. 
And when he suffered, he did not threaten. But watch this. He committed himself to him who judges righteously. How was Jesus able to deal with that? He just said, you know what? God, I thank you that you're using me. I'm going to commit myself to God. God, Lord, I'm going to commit my the human side of Jesus. He just kept committing himself. He said, I'm going to commit myself to God. God, I'm going to trust you. Lord, the God, God, even though this is hard, Jesus in the garden, y'all remember when he prayed? He said, Father, if it is possible, remove this cup from me. Y'all remember when Jesus prayed that? I mean, he was hurting. He said, look, if it's possible, I don't want to do this. If it's possible... Nevertheless, <laughs> if I got to go through this in order to get that, I'll do it. If I got to go through this in order to get the people that I, I'll do it. If I got to go through that to bring salvation to a, to a world, I'll do what I need to do. God, I'm going to trust you. Some of us, we got to learn this thing. We just got to trust God in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the hurt, in the midst of the pain. And you cannot, because the moment, let me tell you when you don't trust in God. You're not trusting God. You're not, not trusting God when we decide that we're going to take matters into our own hands. Okay, enough for this. I'm going to have to deal with this. Watch out. Because here's the problem. The wrath of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. Am I right about it? So you being upset and tired, you're going to take matters into your own hands. You, all you're doing is you're pushing God to the side and say, okay, God, take a back seat. Step back. Let me, let me have this one. God, let, 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 let me get this one. God, you just take a seat. God, I, I got it. And you know what God will do? God will let you have your way. If you want to do that, if you want to walk, if you want to maintain anger, if you want to try to get revenge, if you want to try to do all that because you are betrayed, God will sit back and he'll let you do it. He'll say, okay, go ahead. That's what you want. But then when you realize that you fail, you flunk at it, you come back, <laughs> then we can talk about it. He got committing himself to him who judges righteously. And the Bible says, here's another thing that Jesus did. How did he handle this? Another thing that he did, he loved them to the end. I love this verse. John 13, 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he would depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who are in the world, he loved them all the way to the end. Aren't you glad that Jesus never quit on you? Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't quit on that cross? Aren't you glad that when they told Jesus, won't you come down off that cross if you, who you, if you are, are who you say you are? I mean, I mean, you supposed to heal people. You did all this stuff. If you're who you say you are, come down off the cross. Show us. They got nails and spikes. They come down. Is anybody in this room glad that Jesus didn't come down? Come on. Clap your hands if you're glad. I mean, I'm so glad. He didn't, he didn't come down. He stayed up there. He listened to all of that stuff. And don't you know, they were talking some smack at him. And Jesus, he loved them to the end. He did not allow bitterness and anger to control him. In fact, Jesus was already thinking about their future after he did. L listen to this verse. I'm going to give you some insight. This is uh, uh, Mark chapter 14, verse 27, 28. Then Jesus said to them, he's talking to the disciples right before, he was, uh, right before he was arrested. He said, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. In other words, all of y'all are going to betray me. <laughs> all of y'all are going to run. All of y'all are going to leave me hanging. He already knew. He's all of y'all. All, all this talk about y'all going to be with me. It, 
Every one of you. Say air, 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 air. It's country talking. See, I got, I'm from the country. I, every now and then a little bit of that come out. Every one of you. Uh, I just lost my chain of thought. That was, that was cool. <laughs> Jesus said, he said, every one of you will stumble because of me. Then tonight, all of y'all are going to leave me hanging. And think about it. But then he said, he said, then he said, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Jesus knew this. He said, but, everybody say, but. He says, watch this. He says, but after I have been raised, Jesus already thinking about the future. He said, look, after I've been raised, I will go before you in Galilee. In other words, y'all going to let me down. You're going to hurt me. You're going to betray me. But because Jesus had a focus, he understood what God has called him to do. He understood that he wasn't going to be dictated by, 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 by people's failures or, 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 their, or their lack of what was needed to complete what God wanted them to do. He wasn't going to allow that to stop him. He said, here's what's going to happen. After y'all do this to me, I'm going to hook up with y'all and I'm going to empower you and you're going to do great things. You are still going to accomplish everything that we have been talking about for all of these years. Everybody's going to do it. We're standing Judas. He's, he's out. You remember Judas, he ended up hanging himself because he realized that, that it didn't work. He ended up committing suicide. And we know that after Jesus rose again, <laughs> he restored. You remember he told Peter, he walked up to Peter. Because y'all, how many times did Peter deny Jesus? Come on, church. Come on. How many times did Peter deny? Wake up. Three times. And Jesus, Jesus sees Peter. He says, he said, Peter, he loved me. Jesus asked him like three times. And Peter looked like, what's up? Jesus, why you ask me this? You know I love you, Jesus. <laughs> Peter, you can imagine Tone probably changed a little bit. He's probably uncertain because he knew he'd stepped in it before. Yeah, you know, you know, I, Jesus said, well, feed my lamb. In other words, get back to work, son. Son, what you did, I'm over that. I'm over that, son. I'm not going to, what you did, and I knew you were going to do it before you did it. But see, I came to fix the imperfections in your character. That's part of what I'm doing in you, Peter. I knew you would fail. How I many know God knew that some of us, how I many know, how I many you, how I many you fail every now and then? And God is using that failure to perfect you. He, he knows that. He restores Peter to full service. And how many know that the disciples turned the world upside down? They turned the world upside down. They turned the world upside down because Jesus, when he was betrayed, when he was mistreated, he stayed focused on what God had called him to do. And he remained and because he remained, you and I are here today. So what's our response? In closing, come on out, brother. We're going to agree to close this down. So what's our response in light of all this? The Bible says in Hebrews 12, verses 14 and 15, it says, Pursue peace with all people and holiness with which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest any one of you fall short of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness spring it up, cause trouble, and by this, many become defiled. Don't allow a root of bitterness to take over your soul. Don't allow it. Here's, here's church. Here's what I believe that God wants us to do with our betrayal. Because Jesus taught us how to deal with this. Use, uh, use your betrayal as an opportunity to be more like Christ and grow as a Christian. Instead of being mad at the person for what they did and holding on to all that stuff, use it as an opportunity to become more like Christ and grow as a Christian. 
We're not going to repay evil for evil. We know that God ultimately, how many know that because Jesus kept his faith in God, that God ultimately brought Jesus to where he needed to be? Jesus kept his focus on God. Church, as long as you keep your focus on God in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the hurt, it doesn't matter what happens to you. If you keep your focus on God, God will take you from point A to point B. Even though some people back there may, how many know that what the, the, what the Pharisees and Judas meant for evil, God flipped it. He turned it for good. Because it was really God who nailed Jesus to the cross. Isn't that amazing? They think they are doing something. But all the while, it's God who's really in control. I want you to understand, people think they are doing something to you, but they don't understand all the while that Jesus is in control. And he's going to get glory out of it. If, if you stay where you're supposed to stay, don't try to take matters into your own hands. How many of you have tried that? You try things on your own and it don't work. You try to fix it on your own, you try to fix people and it don't work. You can't fix people. All you can do is share with them. All you can do with people, I learned, all you can do with people is try to love them real hard. That's all you can do. Only God can fix them. So Easter is not just a story about God's love and his resurrection, how he came to save us, but it's also a story about our love and forgiveness of others. So maybe you found yourself betrayed. Maybe you found yourself in a situation where you've been hurt. You need to first understand that you have a Savior who also dealt with that. He was at all points tempted like us and without sin. Jesus demonstrated what it was like, how we should respond in that situation so we can learn a lot from him. So every head is bowed, every eye is closed.